search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Hey everyone and welcome to Broken by Concept episode 89. Um, hope you're having a love or you had a lovely weekend. Um, the question that we always ask Curtis on the Broken by Concept podcast how can we become better solo queue players? That's correct. That's what we're going to explore today. That's correct. And so to be completely transparent, I, I do want to, I don't want to go too much on this, but I had a back injury, right? It's three weeks. I've been out from the gym. I had my, I went to the gym for the first time today with you in three weeks. And um, one of the things I tried to take away, I mean, I try to take away something from every negative experience, no matter what the experience is. I try to have one learning, one key Look learning. Look for the... Uh, What's the saying? The uh... look for the. I know there's a saying. I don't know what it is. You guys got to fill the gaps. Yeah, fill it's the like gap. school. Fill the gap. Um, and it just made me realize how important working out is. Exercising to, from a mental health perspective. Mm. My entire mental state over the past three weeks deteriorated massively because you're this injury, no gem. No, no gym. It's the breaking up of the schedule. It's the literally my routine going to shit completely. My energy levels going to shit um, because I'm just not working out. You just feel way more lethargic. You can't eat as much. So then you start losing weight. Um, you don't sleep as well because you're not burning. You're not you're burning any of your energy. It was a, it was a disaster. It actually was an absolute disaster. So um, given that I haven't been working out, I've been able to spend more time thinking, I guess, about the solo queue experience for everyone and kind of observing and um, locking my way, locking myself in my dungeon. So Curtis has been sitting there for the last three weeks, just sitting there <laughs> writing for solo queue philosophies in like this. I've been a bit, a bit more observant than usual. Yeah. Because I've had more time in the more day. More time, that's right, to think, rather than and busting your balls in the gym. That's right. And I mean, if I don't go, dude, gym is just... Oh, it's, it's, it's huge. It's so, like, we just harp on it. People are just, like, sick of it, dude, Austin. <laughs> like, no, but it's, it's no, because good. we know, because we came from... No gym. No gym. Yeah, we, we were both... Anti-gym. And we didn't go to the gym from 18, 19, 20, 21, Because we had all these narratives. We had all these narratives. We're the skinny guys. And that you don't need it, really. Like, yeah. you create every reason in the book yeah. why you don't need to go. Yeah. You need to do exercise. You need to do exercise. You need to do exercise. We're going to repeat that. It's not even the physical part. I mean, the physical part is very important, but it's, it's the mental part. It's mental. It's doing, it helps you get your mind sorted. The, the, the philosophy that I just have that I've learned from Jim is just when I do something hard, everything else becomes easier. I like that. Yeah. You know, your body just feels like it rewards you. That's the thing. Like I go to gym, I'm like pushing myself on like, you know, my last couple of reps for the set. And my body's just like, great job, Nathan. You're going to just get feels, rewarded with energy throughout the yeah, day. Yeah, how weird is that? You, <laughs> you get energy yeah. for expending energy. Yeah. Th- awesome. That wouldn't have made sense to me I love, when I was I younger. I love the human body, dude. Fascinating. Yeah, um, you would think that like... You would uh, think that you'd be more tired, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm the opposite. If I sit in my chair all day, dude, I'm just... I feel like a... Yeah, I'm done by midday. Yeah. I'm done. Finished. Pack it in. Um, all right. So I read a comment a while ago. I think it was like last week from Super Beast in my MLA saying something along the lines of Curtis, have you ever considered differing review processes? Now to clarify, right? The, the, the mantra or the stock standard, stock standard process that we talk about, talk about a lot is the three block. The, you do a little bit of a warm up, 
You play, you review, you play, you review, you play, you review. Play one game, play and one game straight after, then it. review straight after. Yeah, that's the that's the process that we've really been pushing. That's the narrative we've been pushing because it's. And let's clarify what the advantages, what we believe the advantages are. What are they, Nathan? The advantages of this this process of three block game review, game review. Let's say I have a a bad game or a game where like you really weren't sure what happened or you start to like blame your teammates in the mid, especially when it gets to like the mid late game. Like it's way easier. Like mistake teammates, mistakes like matter a bit more for me, but I go back and I just look at the other game. I'm like, Oh, it makes sense. Yep. So that's just what just nails it for me. It's like, you know, I could have, this wouldn't have happened for this and this and this because league, as we know, is a snowball effect. So if I'm able to look at the review, I go back to the beginning. I was like, okay, this game makes sense. It's like a detilting process. Cause then you realize that the game's all on you. Okay. It's very easy to get caught up in uh, your teammates' mistakes. So you're saying you that you, you can see how you contributed to the game. Correct, in a way. yeah. And in what a, in, you could have done. In a more objective way. Because you can just look at your gameplay. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable when you look at your gameplay. You don't realize how bad your gameplay looks like sometimes. Totally. That's the thing. That's what reviewing just opens it up. Um, I, I actually put, I tuned into Claire's stream, actually, and he was reviewing a game. And... <laughs> And he was watching it back and he literally said the same thing. He said, I can't believe how bad this looks. Like, I didn't even realize how bad this looks. And he said, like, what he did was he like, he was like, the wave was in a pretty bad state. And um, he's like, why am I just not hitting the wave? And he went to go ward and he knew the enemy jungler started that side. So oh, there's no way there's a gank anyway. Yeah, yeah. You don't realize. And it just looks horrendous. And then, and then he's like, alarm bell should be ringing right now. You know, like in this game, like right now. This is just his first couple of his lane phase, you know. I thought that was funny because that's, that's yeah, what Yeah, you don't realize does. until you yeah. look at it after how bad it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, I think so. There's the, the the fact that it's we we call it it's the medicine, right? It allows yeah. you to detail, see how you've contributed to the game, etc. I think it allows you to um, complete what we call the learning cycle, right? Where you do something and then you execute. Yep. And then you can look at it, see what happened, observe it, and then execute again. It allows you to kind of complete that learning cycle. It helps me focus on something for the next game again. Let's say if my learning objective or overall is. Uh, looking at lanes, F keys. I just look and then I'm like, okay, I need to be doing it. It just gets me more fo- even focused into the yep. learn objective because league, it's very easy to get pulled different directions, you know, because maybe some mistakes pop up that like is in the separate learn objective, but I'm like, you know, I'm just not going to work on that so far, you know, because it's a long game. We play the long game. Okay. Yep. So these are, you know, these are just a few of the advantages. There's probably others. Um, I mean, I would say another one as well. It's just, it's just, it makes sense as well. Like it's just a very streamlined process. And the, the, the review in between gives you a break in a way. It gives you a break in between the games itself. It's kind of like a, a refreshing little, it's like a refresher in a way. It's like a, like a half time in a way. It's like, all right, take a breather. Okay, I, I can do something else rather than just jumping straight into the game again. Because a lot of people want to just queue up again instantly if, they have, if they're you know, on one of the more populated servers. They're going to get an instant queue pop yeah. essentially. Yeah. So you can go game, game, game. Um, and, and you can probably get three games in like an hour and a half, theoretically, if you if you have an insta bops. So, um, okay, there's a few other reasons. Now, I also want, I actually want to talk about some of the negatives, though, some of the okay. potential dangers and and pitfalls of this process. I think one of which is I think sometimes it's very easy, like you said, to get caught up in in like the noise. So let's just say you, you, you play and you had a rough game where maybe 
like you just had say you're a mid laner and you have two losing sides. It was like a really hard game. And you're in the you go into the review, you lose it inevitably. I'm not saying you played perfectly, but you lose it. It was a really, really hard game. And you're like really trying to get the most value from yeah, the game. You're trying process. to figure out the game, but it's like it's it's just sometimes it's not worth it. Yeah, it's sometimes yeah. like it's out of your control yeah. and like sometimes that process of you're trying to overanalyze, you get, you get caught up in overanalyzing the game and then you start to then look at things that aren't really necessary for you. Like it's easy to forget that you would win this game in an alternate reality if you just had one of the people in your team that were quite competent. It could just be a 30% loss, right? So, and, and, and there are moments where I think that it just in general, unlucky things happen, but because you're caught up in like the, the intensity of like, I just lost this game. I really want to know what happened. I feel like you're easily swayed. You're, you're more emotional, I would say, because it's just happened. It's, it's just still happened. raw. Mm. Like what just happened is raw that you just still saw, saw that defeat screen or you saw the victory screen and you feel like everything's all good, everything's sunshine all and good. rainbows, yeah. right? So it goes both ways. Yeah. I would say that's one very real pitfall of, of this process. Um, I would say another one um, is sometimes I would say it feels like because you're not able to be objective about the review, um, you, even if you know, even if you're looking for specific learning objectives, again, because there's the emotional aspect of it, you're not actually able to get them. You're not able to, able to see what's happening objectively, regardless. Like let's say your learning objective is, um, you know, you're trying to work on your team fight positioning. You you, you kind of go to that team fight and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's kind of good enough. You're not going to pay attention to detail and really pay devil's advocate, especially if you lost that game and you played well up until that point. You're not going to really, I mean, I'm not saying for everyone, this is a bit of an overgeneralization, but for a lot of people, it's hard to take a mass amount of responsibility, that, like you were saying, when they're emotionally charged. Um. I mean, I always had the problem with that, that of, of some of my games, right? Again, I take so much responsibility for my games, mm. then that will affect my confidence for the next game. So right. I'm like, okay, I have to play perfectly early game. If I don't, you know, I got that problem right, that I've always right. had where I just check out if I don't play perfectly gotcha. early game because, you know, I have to be the one that wins the game for my team. Right. So that's another potential pitfall as well. So it got me thinking, Nathan, you know, it got, and, and, and sorry, one last thing is that sometimes it feels like you've got momentum as well and you just want to you just want to get the games in it's like it's just noise i just want to go into the next game sometimes it feels like that you know you, you have a there's like an intuition that's telling you let's just let's just look at this later i just need to get the games in so this all got me thinking and super beast he said curtis have you ever tried reviewing after the blocks or something like that he said so something along three lines, games after yeah so so i actually and then reminded me i got a dm from someone i don't know who his name was can't remember but it said something along the lines of how He's been having more success by reviewing all of his games at the start of the next block. So this is how this process goes. Hear me out. So you, you, okay, so let's say you've never done this before. So the way it would work is that you would play. You ideally still take a two minute break, get water, get a snack, get out of your chair, move around, stretch, play. But you're essentially just playing, stretching, playing, like basically three games in a row, essentially, with very small breaks in between. Now, I, I will add on something later on that we can add in here, but let's say this is that. You don't even review after the block. Leave it. No reviews, essentially. You step away. Step away, done. done. Three block, done. Wow. Okay. Then what you do 
is that you review all three games yeah. before before the next one. So let's say you're ready, you're about to do your three block, allocate 20 minutes at the start of that block, before the block, and you review all three. Now, the reason I think this is actually quite genius is because, number one, it allows you to zoom out and actually d- distinguish between noise and signal much mm. more effectively mm. because you're able to now see all three games and the mistakes that are prevalent between all three, as well as see the things that are done well between all three. You're also way less emotionally charged. When you look at your gameplay from the next day or the next day, you're less emotionally attached to what happened. Like you just want to look at what happened. Like you don't, you don't really care about like the, the heat's gone. The emotions are gone. Most of it anyway, it is gone. So you're able to see the, it's completely gone. I would say for me, if I start a new day, like, right. Unless my overall solo queue journey for the last like couple of weeks is just beating me down. Yeah. But I mean, right now I'm not in that stage and I feel like that with the three block process is hard to get into that because you can't have massive yeah. gains and losses. So you'd be pretty objective, right? If you were to yeah. look at your, your game for the next day, mm. right? And um, I would also say as well, it's a great pre, pre-game warm-up. It's a, it's a, it, you get to really left off where you were. It's like a bookmark. It's like, okay, this is actually how I was thinking in these games. This is what was happening. Like it really gets you back in the place. Like it gets you back into... Like kind of where you left off in a way, and um, and then yeah, go through that process. And it made me think this makes a lot of sense. I'm not okay. saying it's perfect, but it makes a lot of sense. And I want you to break this. What are your immediate thoughts? What come to mind? I'm agitated. I'm, I'm okay. Ag- I'm agitated because I will sit there and ponder a lot of how my games. Like I replay the games in my head and situations in my head, and I've. Like I'm just I'm just scared that if I was to do that again, I'm not having the complete picture because, it, you know, you're gonna miss things in your games. Like it's like let's say if I'm replaying a situation in my head, I'm like a skirmish, and like I didn't realize that I should have waited. Well, when are we re- replaying this? Are you, when in my head? About, yeah, like when are we talking? Uh, like literally straight after the games, I'll be thinking yep, about them. Yep, yep. Especially if they're losses, like I'm yep. really like fucking triggering and trying yep. to figure it out. Right? I'll be replaying like let's say I'm replaying a skirmish in my head, right? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, the mid laner was like closer than I thought. And I should have waited an extra two. If I actually looked at the review, I would see that he's still like two seconds behind because he needs yep. to push that wave. And you know, every second counts for that sort of stuff, right? Yep. I would miss that. And what was if I'm pondering on that? And then I'll just be like, yeah, come up with some weird ass narrative from that, you know? Okay. That's my initial reaction. Yep. Like, I'll, 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 I'll have this because I find as well, especially. Some insults and stuff, people like type straight after the game and they say like one thing happened and then you get into the review and just something else happened. And, or and, or and, that wasn't even true. And it's, yeah, it's, it's one of my pet peeves. Like I hate it. The moment someone says like something happened like in their game, I'm like, just fucking like, like actually look at it. Don't think about how you see it in your head because there's many different, there's five players in the game or four other players. They have their own pers- perspective and a huge part of my approach to the game is putting myself in the shoes of my team and laners and the enemy team as well right and i feel like that i'll miss the my team part more heavily and then i'll just get agitated because i need to fucking figure it out like let's say if i follow that process okay i i my initial reaction then is like maybe again it's too fairly or too Mm. unrealistic it's like you watch it after and then you watch it again twice over yeah, so the adaptation I think that I would add on this is 
in that between the games, you do an incredibly short review. Yeah. You go over like the core two, <laughs> like the two things that you like yeah. that that you felt like you need to address. Okay. Like two things, like you said, that one player, the the river, where you want to look see what actually happened. Okay. Yeah. So you go over like we're talking like a two minute review, a two minute just observing what happened to get the real picture, right? But you don't overanalyze it. You're not actually doing an in-depth review. All you're doing is looking at the core two, three things that happened. That, so you're talking about things that are on your mind. Yeah, things that are actively on your, on your mind, mind that you're really curious about. Like, yeah. what the hell just happened there? How did we lose that game? Like, I had one of them yesterday. I'm like, oh, okay, that actually makes sense. Like, you have those moments, right? But the intention isn't to really do a proper review. It's more just to kind of get that shit out of your head. Got it. And, and then so get now, that out so, of the way. So then now you're structuring reviews now. So like, I just thought a review's a review and I just have my review process I mm. always do. And my reviews are really quick. Mm. I don't know what other people's reviews are mm. like. I mean, obviously I'm experienced. I know what I'm looking Again, for. Again, we can't, you can't, we can't extrapolate our review process to everyone else. Okay. Because again, people don't know what is happening in the game. So then what I'm thinking there is like, yeah, I have like just looking at the immediate ones yep. and then I'll be looking at more so the... All right, well, let's say in terms of what I'm working on, in terms of like mid-game, right? Mm. So it's like, I'll be looking at some mid-game things and then when I, straight after the games, and then the next day, I'll be going back to my normal review process, which is like all early game stuff. Okay. Maybe that's something I could Yeah, that could, that could potentially work. But I do really like uh, getting into the frame of mind of League. Like, don't you feel sometimes it's weird when you like, you finish your day? Well, I guess it's a bit different for us because we're thinking about league and we're reviewing because mm. we usually do like a review session into lunch into three block right mm. uh getting yourself into the the frame of mind of the problems that you're going to encounter throughout the day by looking at your gameplay beforehand sort of just getting into because i mean I you like it yeah i like it i yeah. think it's really important i mean i'm all about i love visualization like i'm like literally like I'm like last night in the morning walking to the gym, I'm visualizing the challenges that I'm going to face in today's games already, you know, like thinking about, okay, uh, adapting to my laners that have like a poor recall and like I wanted to make a play, but now I can't make a play and just being decisive and just going to the other side of the map or recalling with them or something like that. Like I'm, I'm thinking about these things that I'm ready to do in the game the moment that happened. Like again, challenges, not like easy things, not like I'm just going to shit on the enemy jungler. It's more like specific think challenges and i feel like if i also look at the games from the yesterday it's like really fresh looking at my problems and just getting to me that frame of mind yeah yeah i totally agree it gets you in a certain mindset that's the biggest thing it gets you into what you felt like in those games because there's a feeling you get when like sometimes it feels like when you end a block you're like, if only I knew now what i yeah what, what I, I knew you know yeah like what, that feeling but you can capture one? that at the start of your next block. Now I know that it's in my mind fresh and now I'm ready to go. Because yeah. oftentimes, I don't know if you felt this, Nathan, sometimes it feels like when I play a block, I'm like, fuck, I learned this yesterday. Have you ever had that? Like, I, yeah. I, have you had that feeling where you're like- I oh. have no, the biggest one I have. Oh, I get, I'm getting angry thinking about yeah. it. I smashed my desk last week, by the really? way. Really? Yeah, I was that pissed off oh my at God. myself. Wow. I, I, I had three games in a row flawless early game yep. awesome uh what was it we got baron i think it literally happened like two games in a row right we got baron we you know we're setting it up and you know how like people like overstay on but people get cocky when they're ahead and they're yeah all baron the time and stuff? 
And then, like, I went for a fight that was a numbers disadvantage, but my my teammates were fed. Like, yeah. it's sort of a fight you like. You've got to take. You've got to go. You've got to go. It looks bad, though. Yeah. Like, it was, I think it was like an Aphelios. I remember one specific was an Aphelios, right? And I, we had Baron, you know, this fight was looking good. And then I sort of like overextend and like make the aggressive play. Yeah, I made that exact play. Yeah, yeah. The, the and then won again and then that, fucking yeah. then the snowball starts happening. Yep. We all die. And everyone dies. And then you know, and then we just lose it. And that happened like twice back to back. Oh. And the second one, I smashed my desk. Literally, like there, I was like, fuck. Yeah. I was so pissed off because I did it twice. And then did you? Lose, and and the, did you and lose I was the like, third game? The third game of that block, I actually can't. Did I don't think I refresh? did. No. I, I haven't gone zero three in a long time okay. recently. So, um, I was just so angry. Sometimes I play better when I'm angry the next game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that mistake. <laughs> like, but again, it's sort of like, yeah. I just yeah. need to just sit back and just not fucking take the fight because I feel like because you know when you feel like you have to do something in a fight when a fight's breaking right, out. Right. So everything you're describing right now, you want to capture that. Before the next block, though, yeah, you would, like you yeah, want to, yeah. you want you want to capture that fire in but a way. It, it pops up every couple of weeks, dude. Sometimes it's fine, and then it just fucking happens randomly back to back. Okay, dude. so look, let's tie it back to the review process. Yeah, like these are great, and they're great learnings. But you want to, what you're talking about here is like more of like a, a frame of mind, isn't it? Like you're 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 on point. Like you're you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm going to be so on point next game like i gotta make sure that i'm gonna I'm, be disciplined and closing yeah. out this game like, right only gonna take but imagine if plays. you reviewed those two games mm. before your next block it's gonna help right i'm not saying it's gonna change everything but it's gonna help at least yeah, what I, I think, think it will yeah so i mean those experiences specifically they're really ingrained and the other one is that one right. at the beginning of the season i talked about where i i went through a bard so the guy the, the bard, bard altered so the bar portaled and I Rex I altered after him and then went in and died and then that was when I went onto that tilt spree. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I won't forget that. It's literally right. gonna. I'll be like eighty years old and think about that because okay. that threw off like weeks of my season. Mm. You know that one play. Right. So those are painful experiences that are like are really ingrained. But I'd say overall for the average games and stuff, I should be. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm gonna try this out. Yeah. So look, so I'm trying it at the moment. And, and, and again, with a process, you, you're not going to be able to get the findings where, or how good it is until you've been doing it for weeks or months, potentially. So I'm going to try it out. Um, I'm still doing reviews in between games because my queue times are so long. That's right. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, I'm still yeah. doing my reviews. Low dodge game as well. Well, yeah, that, but like, I'm still mainly just doing reviews and like looking at my games and then just chilling. Um, but, but I think that. I'm going to do the reviews before as well as a calibration to kind of be, okay, th this is how I was thinking. Yeah. This is like what my learning objectives are and why that's the case. And just like get in the right, right frame of mind. And I think it, it, for the average player, because I think, again, our reviews are very, again, they're very unique you for the average player. For. We kind of know yeah. what we're looking for and how to look for it. For the average player though, if they have a learning objective, it's going to make it much more streamlined. It's like, this is what it looks like. Okay, say they're working on their jungle tracking. You can see specifically, go to each of those three vaults. How is my jungle tracking? Was I aware of this? If it's a mid laner and they're working on like their, their, their warding and leaning, how was my warding and leaning in these three games? And if they die because they weren't warding and leaning, they can capture that feeling. Mm. Boom, right here. And then mm. you haven't even played your game yet. Like you're actively thinking about that. So I think for the average player, they, stood, they should still review though in between games very quickly the core two or three things they're genuinely confused about and then otherwise do the rest of it the next the next day 
again, it's a, it's an adaptation of the process. It's it's a process. You're still doing the reviews. I just think it, it might be a level up. It might be a level up. Um, the only downside, and, and this is, I, I've got a critique on this one, which is interesting, that think about, you're not, com- theoretically, you're not completing the learning cycle. But a part of me thinks your level of play in a block is your level of play. It is your level like of play. Like you're not right. going to get better. No, you don't randomly get better. You don't randomly get better you don't in randomly a game. Get, it's like you don't randomly get better the next game. No. Maybe it's like, would you say more focused? Like I would say that, I've definitely had situations where I play my first game and then, I, and then I'm like, all right, I got to wake up. And then I, I, I guess then, then that's I'm getting an, my level That's play. more of an intensity. I'm playing low or lower than my level. Yeah, that's lower yeah. than your level. And then yeah. you're playing at your level. Yeah. But I think, um, I think like your level of play is your level of play heading into that block. Yeah. And throughout oh, the Across block, the three games. Across the three games. That's your level of play. Mm. So a part of me feels like reviews in between the games. It's not going to magically change anything. It's, it's true. It's, it's, it's more point. of a long-term process. You might as well just do it before. Mm. Now, the other one is like doing it all after, but I feel like doing reviews after, again, you're still so emotionally charged and you're so mentally drained. I, I think by that point, who's going to have the motivation to review all of their games at the end of a block and have the energy and like the mental resilience to do that? I think it's too theoretical. I don't think people could be able to do that anyway. Yeah. Um, and plus, I don't like it because then all your learnings, it's just there's nothing after it, you know? You yeah. need something after it, I feel mm-hmm. like. So again, I'd like people to try play around with that. If they feel as though the current process isn't working for them, give this one a go. And would love to hear feedback over the few next few weeks if people have tried it because um, it's an interesting one. Hmm. I mean, in general, for learning objectives, it's better to look at a larger sample size than one game. That's right. Because you could again. literally be like, "I'm looking. This is my learning objective." And you don't really see any of it in the first game. You just go to the next game. Yep. Okay, cool. Third game, and then I'll. Start yeah, it could be the again. second and third game. Yeah. It becomes apparent, the f- or maybe the other way around. The first game, but not the second game. Then you know mm. you get thrown off. Totally spot on. Now, a common this I would love to hear if you had the same experience with your soul two members. Okay. Common. Okay, let's walk through. I'm gonna walk you through a scenario here. Have a review with Jimmy here. You know, goal one jungler. You give him a learning objective after the review, right? You say, Jimmy, you're going to work tracking. on jungle tracking. Boom. Now, Jimmy goes off and he focuses on this learning objective. Two weeks later, a week and a half, whatever it might be, he comes back to you and Jimmy says, Nathan, I, I feel like, okay, I-, I know how to do this, but I feel like I've got worse in other areas. Have you had that? Have you had someone come back, you set them a learning objective, two weeks later, they, they, they're good at that one thing, but they said, they said, I just don't feel good in other areas. I feel like I'm playing worse. Have you had that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. Great. So what I think actually happens is that and we spoke about this before. We spoke about how someone has a learning objective. They work on it. It comes at the expense. Their mental stack gets overwhelmed and they get worse in other areas. But what we say a lot of the time, and I think I've made this mistake, we go, okay, great, you've done this learning objective. Now I'm going to set you another learning objective. So you set them another learning objective to get them focused on another area. Then their confidence gets even worse because what happens is the same thing happens. They get worse in their fundamentals. Their other fundamentals get worse. What I've realized is that you actually should never go from specific learning objective to specific learning objective. This is why. What you should actually do, you set a learning objective, a specific thing, something that you're uncomfortable with. Like you said, jungle tracking, FKs, um, you know, jungle, tra- whatever it might be, right? 
Then what you do after that has become somewhat muscle memory, you actually go back and you actually just work on the basic fundamentals again. You okay. go back to, you actually go back and revisit mm. just the basic the fundamentals. You, the things you worked on The just things before. that you worked on just before, before that. You go back and you just shit, you just refine all the basics again. So say you're a mid laner and you worked on your, you're working on your mid game team fighting and your side laning and catching farm and stuff like that. Then what you do before you jump onto another learning objective, major learning objective, you just go back to like warding, leaning, just not dying in the first, like just basic jungle dragging, like just the basics of like the first eight minutes. And you default to that every single time. Learning objective, first eight minutes. Learning objective, first eight minutes. You just go through that again and again and again. Because that way, you won't get caught up in the toxic cycle of then, because you get complacent in your fundamentals. The longer you don't focus on your fundamentals, the harder your, your process will be. And I've noticed that in myself. I had learning objective focus on some other stuff. And now I'm just doing just just basics, just not dying in the first eight minutes, essentially. Just basic jungle tracking, basic threat assessment. And then once I get that, that's on the, up to scratch, boom, move it on to a little bit, maybe something a bit more specific. And then go back, and then go back, and then go back. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean you're a bad player. That's very normal. Mm. That's very normal. What are your thoughts on this? I think it's really important to emphasize that we still ourselves work on fundamentals. And the fundamentals the is how... Because people might think about, they're telling me to learn the basics. That's like I'm a beginner, I'm gold or something. No. No, no, no. no. The basics and the fundamentals is how is what the highest level players do consistently. And that's what all the game is and about. And you have to have that There's consistently. There's nothing sexy. And that will always go down. You'll get worse at fundamentals. We spoke about this before. That's why there is so many high yield challenger players that end up going way back down because they lose complete respect of the fundamentals. Yep. I have someone I won't name who's a high level content creator who used to be challenger player who reached out to me and, um, you know, he was talking about all these narratives, all this stuff that he was talking about. And, you know, he messaged me, you know, and then I looked at his gameplay because, you know, I, I, every time someone says something to me, I always say it with a grain of salt because I really don't care what you're talking about until I look at your gameplay because you're so biased. And I watched his gameplay and there is zero basics there um, in terms of just looking at lanes, tracking the enemy jungler and, it's literally, and then he's now he's Diamond 4. He was used to be Challenger. Um, this this is exactly what Diamond 4 player looks like nowadays. And it makes complete sense. And there is no way he will climb higher unless he goes back and respects the goddamn fundamentals. Well, and I love that quote. It's always like, everything makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, it's just your view your of view reality. Your view of reality. It's just yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, his view of that is completely distorted. Yep. And that's especially because... Yeah, the people that have been playing the game the longest and were high elo before, those players are their fundamentals are very cooked. difficult. Yeah, well, they yeah they never really broke down the fundamentals. And they, they ne- and they their do. ego is too large. You can't. You, it's so hard for them to focus on the fundamentals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's no shame in it. You're spot on, Nathan. There is no shame in just going back and just work, like just not dying. Like that's something I tell people. You just got to like now focus on just basic. Understand where the jungle's coming first. Clear. Warding, leaning, good resets, good CSing, just yeah. that. That's it. I mean, look at that example of Claire. And people don't know Claire is. He's like an OG uh, OS player. He's currently like top 10, I think, on the server. And he's literally flaming his gameplay because he saw the enemy jungler start blue. He's on the blue side. He's playing top lane. And for some reason, he's warding. Like, and it's not a chance that's going to level three gank him, you know? And it's crazy. This is a 1,000 top 10 player on a server. He's been really high for a long time. And he's great player. he fucks up the basics randomly, basics. you know? It's so easy to slip up. 
It is. And that's the thing that I love about Lee. And it just don't... Yeah, so I really like that you just keep going back. Just keep going back. It's back. You're always going to go back. Polishing, polishing, polishing. Yeah, you're always going to go back because the game is you're not you're not static. Like you you will get worse. You're as only as good as your last. That's game. right. Yeah, that is it. Like I gotta I want to talk about Daniel. So Dan, uh, Daniel came in for a review this morning, and um, so Daniel's in the he's in the book club as well. Um, you you know him. You know, you know Daniel. You know when you saw him. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, I forget real first name. So he's right. like been really struggling in solo queue. Like his goal was D4. And he finished plat, I think like mid plat last season or something. And now he's in goal one, right? And um, we did a review this morning. His confidence is at an all-time low. It's an all, at an all-time low. And, and he wanted me to see kind of what was going wrong and where he's at. And we look at his game. He's playing Zed. And his narrative is that um, I love a good narrative. It's, it, it, give it to me. It's so, give it's, it to me. This is, this is, I'm, I'm worried that I would be fascinated to see how many people have this sort of okay, narrative. So, yeah. so in his mind, mm. he believes he has to play a quote unquote great game. Like that's his expectation. He's going to play a great game every game. So what I asked him, I'm like, what is a great game to you? Like, what is a great game? What's your definition? What's the definition of a great, definition game? Of a great mm. game? And he said, and, he said, and we, we, we came to the conclusion that in his mind, a great game is like, you know, zero deaths, perfect tracking of everyone, you know, basically flawless execution in lane, like all these things. And I said to him, dude, at your level, you're going to play a great game in your mind, one in every 20 games, probably one in every 20. And that's probably because you're versing a low threat comp and the enemy's just bad. And then you just, you know, you had an easy lane matchup that you understand, you know, it's probably one of those scenarios. So in your mind, you're expecting yourself to play like a challenger level player in every game. That is completely ludicrous. You're never going to play. You're going to play like this one every 20, 25 games. Now, if that's his expectation to play like this every game, what happens? You become extremely fragile because you make one mistake. You're done. Mentally checked out. Yep, Boom. That's he, me. That was me. You died. You, you, he died to like a support room that even I would probably die to. He's yeah. like, oh, I'm just so, you know, he, he, he shits on himself mentally. Like, I'm so bad. Game's over type yep, thing. Yep. And he continues to play. And every little mistake he makes, he shits on himself, which makes his confidence go down even lower. And he just progressively plays worse throughout the entire game until he loses. The man Daniel would get along, dude. That was me last season. I literally said to you. I said that was you. I said, yeah. Nathan was identical. <laughs> he focused on the early game. He made one mistake and he wouldn't continue just to play out. to win. You, you, said, out. you said you hated playing with me because you know when I made a mistake, I was checked out. Yeah, you're not going to play the game to win anymore. No. And, and, and I told Daniel, I said, dude, you've got to shift your narrative here. Mm. You've got to now go into every game saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to make mistakes. It's inevitable it's going to be messy. I'm not going to play perfect League of Legends every single game. A great game for you should be, you know, you're playing in accordance with your champ's identity your, you know, maybe whatever your learning objective is, something that's reasonable at your level of play. And now I'm not saying you need to make excuses for yourself when you make mistakes. You still got to take responsibility because he asked me this. He said, Curtis, how do I take responsibility for these mistakes but still not get complacent, you know? Well, I said, again, it all ties down to expectations. You can't expect that you're going to play this. You're going to have beautiful support tracking, jungle tracking, beautiful execution and team flights, calling off every objective. Dude, this, if you were doing all of that, you would be at Master Tier already. Mm. You're at goal one at the moment. Man. I mean, he'll be higher than Master Tier. He'll be challenger. Be challenger. You're even challenger. Yeah, the expectation is What the is word. a great game? What do you expect? What are you expecting to get out of your games? I know what a great game, perfect game looks like, 
But what I did is I just accepted. It's like, well, I can't. It's not realistic for me to execute on that because I'm currently a diamond one level player. Don't even. This is the other thing as well. What I said to him, I don't think of it as like a rank. This is where me and you differ. Okay. So I'm playing. I'm learning Silas right now, yeah. right? And Syndra. With my Syndra and Silas, like. I never think of it in terms of like I'm a diamond level. This bias. is an X rank. This this is an X rank. I just think this is this is like a mistake. I don't know what what level that is. Yeah, but I know this isn't good. It probably happens in yeah any every. It will happen. Yeah. It, it, when, it's a good when point. What happens? What happens? I just play. Okay, I know this is what I want to do, and this is what I need to do. What rank this gets me or doesn't get me? I don't think like that. I just think this is I just good Syndra this. gameplay. Uh, this needs to be fixed. Yeah. And I'm incrementally getting better. And like, I'm not worrying about my mid game yet on these champs. I'm just trying to focus on my first like, you know, 12, 15 minutes. And then, and then, and then like, I was, I actually showed him one of my reviews of where I played Silas and I'm like, yep, I did this and I made these mistakes later on, but like, it didn't matter to me because my expectations is that I'm going to make mistakes and I'm taking it one step at a time. I'm, I'm, I'm just so you don't view yourself as you're not attached to a rank. You're just, no. I'm Curtis. Yeah, I'm playing League of Legends. I'm playing this champion. Yeah, and I'm trying to get better at this champion. That's whatever right. that rank. I whatever get to. that let it's it's like in if I win or lose it, it's not it's it's more about how I play. That's what's more important to me. And then I know that if I can play how I visualize eventually, I don't know when I get more games in, then I'll I'll probably get higher ranked. I'm not, it'll be higher ranked than I am now, but I don't know what that will be. I've never thought like I play like this at an X level, hmm. if that makes sense. Okay. And then for me, what I think is, well, this is how I got out of the hole that Daniel's in. I had to embrace that I'm a diamond one level of player. Um, and I, I saw, I mean, I, I know what diamond one, cause I reviewed diamond no, one. No, but how did you do that? Because that's the problem with Daniel. He, he believes like he's a plat, like he, he, he he's passed off because he was plat. Now he's goal one. Like he's, he feel like in his mind he's, he's regressed so far. Like he's gone so far backwards because he lost all these games in like demotion shields or his MMR is like screwed. So he's like yeah. playing in gold two, three games. You know, he's struggling in gold two, three games, but he was like high plat, right? Mm. So he's tied to this. It's very similar to you. He's tied Same. to some X rank that That's he was right. in the past. I told him to simply put, you're only as good as your last game played, last right. block. But yeah. how, do you, how did you wrestle with that? I, so yeah, I accepted I was a diamond <laughs> one level of player. And then I was also aware that the enemy team was making many mistakes and there That's was many other opportunities yeah. in the game for me to still win. That's a good one. And uh, yeah, and then the next thing is getting into that mindset of what's the next best decision to make? I die, what's the next best decision? What's the next best decision? What's, what's next? the next what's best the next? decision? Yeah. Instead of... And it's sort of it's a distraction from like beating your confidence down. Right. So you ask yourself, what's next in the game? What do yeah. I need to do next? Yeah. And then that gets you through the game. Essentially, that gets me through the game. And then if I'm behind, then I'll be saying, how can I make this game as difficult for the enemy team to win as possible? Yeah, those, I like are, that. those are things that yeah. help me as well. Yeah. So those are like my it's tools. The Kobe Bryant. Those are my tools to to um. Daniel, give those a go to get through, and then yeah, and then eventually, you know, like you know, you, you get back. Eventually, you just get better, right? Yep, you're just you gonna get better, get better. Yep. and then you'll get to the rank that you just are in a way yep. so i just found that fascinating that, that like what what do you expect yourself to how do you like when you vocalize it right it sounds ridiculous like when he when when i vocalized it like i asked him those questions he made it made him realize how stupid it sounds right it's like this is ridiculous yeah how can i expect it? how so can i expect this these expectations are completely i'm gold but i'm expecting to be a challenger player all right curtis you said he plays that maybe one out of 20 games a great game yeah how often would you say you play a perfect game in your eyes or a great game in your games if you do a ratio? 
It depends. I mean, now's not a good time because I'm learning champs, but across, if I'm playing my main champs, like a great, great game, like in my mind, perfect. Probably one in... Yeah, probably a one in fifteen or something. Ooh, something like that. Mine's one in eight. Yeah, I don't, I don't play perfect. Yeah, that much. That's what I think about one in eight games. Yeah. Well, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was very structured. Which I'm thinking of Rexai, perfect game mm. Rexai. Like I can get a game in like that, but that's because sometimes I have like winning lanes, so it's just like easy to. I've just done this a million times. Right. Like, but I think it, the, the ratio differs on many champs. Like I feel like playing a perfect game Cassio is really hard because the skill. Like, the, there's so much It's probably room. easier with other champs. But with Vex, yeah. it's easier. Like, I could play a perfect game, I think, with Vex, like, one in every... Probably one in five. One in five. Like, I'm, I, when I was in my prime with Vex, and I was playing spamming Vex, I felt really confident. But with Cassio, it's way more, because there's so much room for optimization mechanically. Yeah. You know, and, like, team fights and macro. Like, there's so much stuff I can do. Yeah, I'd say With Rex... Syndra, would, I've, I've never played a perfect game with Syndra. No, because there's so much you there's can so do. so much. You've got to hit those E's. Syndra is, like, the high, is one of the highest skill champs in the entire game. Yeah, I would say for Rexile would be like one in eight, and then for Zinzel probably like one in fifteen. Yeah, it depends on the champ, how simple they are, and how complicated. I think it's more of a mechanical thing. Would you say because Rexile, it's hard. You don't really have many. Zinzel has a lot of ways you can the play w, fights. The W, the W is so important, right? And the R, and the R, the R you yeah. can change fights massively. There's so many different ways you can play team fights yeah. with Zinzel. Yeah, so it's sort of like I guess options with the champ. Yeah, more options makes the yeah. game more. Difficult to have yeah, a great game. Yeah, Vex is very relatively straightforward comparatively to Cassio. 100%. Yeah, so th- for those of you out there, really try and vocalize what you expect to happen in your solo queue games. Like when you vocalize it, it can be very um, humbling. Kind of unrealistic expectations. Last thing I did want to talk about here. Um, now I have mentioned this, but I want to go a bit deeper. So we, we've spoken a lot about intuition. Now I... So... An analogy here. I went bowling not long ago. Um, you know, 10-pin bowling, whatever it is. And um, because I hadn't done bowling in, since I was a kid, I, I was really fascinated to see, like, what would happen when I go there. Like, how, what, what would my level be? How hard is it? You know, just like with it. Because I have this, we have this new view, way of viewing a skill nowadays, you know, like. Learning a skill. Like, learning a skill. We have a completely different mindset. Were you good at bowling when you were young? I mean, Nathan. When, when you're young, like, I don't, th- you don't think, you just, you just play. Like, yeah, but did you, like, beat your counterparts? I never thought of it like that. I just okay. rolled the goddamn ball. I never yeah. viewed anything as a competition. Oh, it wasn't a competition. No, okay. it was just like, just have fun. It was a know? social event. Yeah, it's a social event. Okay. Drink some Coca-Cola, have some lollies and go running on walls. <laughs> yeah. Type thing. Yeah. Um, I was more excited about the ticket, you know, the, the, the machine. Oh, the machine. Yeah, there was... <laughs> Dude, I, I stacked those. Did you? <laughs> the tickets and stuff. I got, like, thousands of those. Really? I, I went ham, dude. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah, that was fun. Anyway, um, so I went bowling and, and, and it was sort of interesting because it made me realize how different people approach picking up something that's new. So for me, I was very analytical in the approach. Like I remember thinking, okay, there's all these different balls, right? And I was like, what do these numbers mean? I'm like, oh, okay, okay, this one's heavier than this one. Oh, interesting. So there's different weights here and there's different size holes where you put your fingers. So I remember like spending like a while, like I kept changing my ball, like really trying to think about what would be the most optimal ball. So I'm thinking to myself, does heavier mean faster? Does it mean it's, it'll hit more pins? Does it mean I can, but then if it's too heavy, I can't throw it fast enough. Like I was actually thinking about it because I wanted to like win, right? So you, now you've used a competition yeah and i wanted to get good at, i wanted yeah, to be good at yeah. it like if i'm gonna be here like yeah i i just I, I thought of it 
as just like a skill that I could maybe develop, right? Yeah. Using your League of Legends philosophy. Yeah. So like I spent a lot of time kind of thinking of it kind of as I was going through that experience. And then whereas other people there, then they still wanted to win, but they kind of just send it. They're like, pick a random ball. If it feels right, they go. And then they adapt. And they're like, oh, okay, that's probably not right. They'll just, it's very feel oriented. So, I, and I, you know, I was reflecting on that experience and, you know, drawing parallels between the league experience and, and, and this bowling experience. I feel like in league, a lot of people have that analytical approach where they come in and they try to problem solve everything from a very analytical perspective. I talk about they're trying to think their way to an elo. They're trying to think their right. way out of a problem or think them way think their way out of you know quote unquote you know their their current rank. Yeah, elo. right. So there's the, the, the very analytical approach, and then they're, they're the people that tend to watch a lot more content maybe, yeah, and then less montages, more actual educational content, etc. And then you get the very feel-oriented, intuitive-type learners, people that really want to apply their system one. They just play, they're the 15 feel. games a day. A lot of games, watch a lot of montages. They like to feel things. And this, I think, also influences the type of champions you play. You, they play more feel-oriented champions, like the Katarinas, the Yasuos, the Yones, the Akalis. Champs yeah. that are very mechanically expressive. Yeah. And you feel, you need an element of feel. And it got me thinking, that's so fascinating, how people have differing approaches to how they, they view improving at the game. Now, what going back to your bowling experience, mm. were the people that were playing off field, were they doing better than you? No. You were doing better. I was, do, I was doing one of the best, yeah. Yeah. And there did, was one other person that was... wild to like ramp up? There was one girl that was killing it. Yeah. But she looked like she had experience. Oh, she had experience. Okay. Like her stance was so good. And I was actually trying to copy her stance. I was like, <laughs> I was watching her. I was like, that's, how do I do that? That's copying a high yellow player, dude, right there. You're, you yeah, know, I was like trying to observe, like, how is she so good? Like, yeah. she's getting so much power more than me. Yeah. And just the, the way she was like, like, uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I was... Probably one of the more successful ones there by far. Like I, would, I bet someone that was way stronger than me. Mm. I thought like strength would matter, and I think it does matter. Mm. But not I was as just, much as he thought. Yeah, I thought like I should have lost to this guy. Um, like he's like six foot five, one hundred twenty kilos. Like surely he could just, and he's super athletic. I thought he would annihilate me. Um, but then I took a more analytical approach and got like the perfect ball size for me and it felt right. And I really focused on my stance, like engaging my core. Like I made up all these narratives and went, <laughs> about, like what the most optimal way yeah. to throw this. Because yeah. I'd never watched a single thing you about just, bowling, yeah. right? Like I didn't, I had to try to figure it out myself. Mm. But I used a combination of both is what I'm saying. I, I, I used an element of analytical approach to go in theorizing. Then I would feel how that felt and then I would adjust. And now time back to league, you can't over-index on ultra-feel and intuitive, and you can't over-index on pure analytical thoughts. I'm thinking, yeah. Think you can't over-index on using system one. You can't over-index on using system two. You need a combination of both. Now, the thing about League, what's super fascinating, Nathan, is that it's not clear how you should approach learning the game. Certain skills, it's very obvious that you need to be using system one and feel, like skateboarding. Like, you've got to feel it out. Like, you're going to get on it. You're going to fall. You can't think your way through balance. You've got to feel balance. You've got to feel catching a ball. You can't read a book on how to catch a ball. You've got to kind of catch a ball, hand-eye coordination. But there's other skills, like mathematics and things like that. You've got to be really thoughtful in your approach, be very analytical, really figure out how to break it. You can't feel your way through mathematics a lot of the time. You've got to really understand it. Now, league is a game where which one do which one do I do? Do I do I really think about the theory and try and understand it, or do I feel it and just play and try and feel what the damage is like? No, Nathan, you do both. There's times in the game where you've got to be pure feel and muscle memory only in your team fight, skirmishing, a lot of laning. 
your engaging engagements with the enemy. Feel. You've got to feel the damage. You've got to feel the ranges out. You've got to feel the how the abilities interact. You've got to feel the movement, the patterns of the enemy. It's all feel. But the lull states, Nathan, the jungle tracking, the wind condition assessment, the you're assessing maybe, map state, assessing map state, where your teammate locations are. These are things that need your pre, you need to actually think. Use your brain. Read your brain. You'd be very logical about it and like, take a step back and think about things holistically. You need a combination of both. But then, then Nathan, the thing that's hard about League, you've got to switch between the two during the game. But for a lot of people, how do you, they're not comfortable with doing that. They've never done that before. You've got to switch from System 1 to System 2, System 1 to System 2, boom, 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 and have a combination of both. No wonder people who over-index in a specific style in how they approach learning, struggle. If you over-index in either of them, you're screwed. Hmm. Now, I've actually done a lot of research on this one. Thanks, shout out to Gifts. He's sent me a lot of research papers. So uh, Gifts works at a university starting to do a PhD, psychology, whatever it is. And um, he gave me, uh, he linked me a bunch of articles relating to system one and system two thinking. And there's research that actually suggests that for, so this is super fascinating. At the highest, highest, highest level, elite athletes, they, they use more intuition because they've really, I think it's because they've really Makes developed sense. that a lot of that muscle, muscle memory. memory yeah. So most of the complex problem solving is done through feel and intuition. The level below that, where you are, say you're like, you're still, you're not a beginner anymore, but like you're, you're an intermediate, you're at a decent level, like the average player that's played a bit of the game, or whatever that sport or might be. They're actually, they benefit more from learning and thinking analytically because they need to make sense of what's happening, which is really interesting. So if you, I would equate this to more like the diamond players and even the platinum players, a lot of these players, they need to be using a lot more of, a lot more of an analytical approach to learning. This is according to the research. Now, even lower, beginners, right? Beginners in most um, skills, they actually need to over-index more in feel and intuition. So it goes feel intuition at the lowest level, analytical thought in the middle, and then feel intuition again at the highest level, which actually mimics very closely how, we've, how we think about league. Think about the very beginning when you're bronze, silver, even like the beginning is a gold. It's a lot of it. You really got to get that feel and intuition up, right? Get the games in, have fun. You got to have fun, get the feel. You got to understand how damage output works and everything. Range. Range assessment, how champs interact, you know, a lot of stuff. Then once you start to get that down pat, you got to really start to try and make a little bit of sense of the game. Like what's actually happening? Take a step back. What the fuck is going on, right? So gold to like, you know, diamond. There's a, yeah. I'm not saying it's all, we're not saying you can't, again, over-index, but majority of it is now analytical. People's mechanics, it? especially now, everyone's got a pretty good feel because people have been playing the game right. so long. Yeah, platinum and diamond players are pretty fine. It's like, pretty fine. A lot of the time it is just understanding of certain concepts, isn't it? Mm. Most of the time. Mm. Then at the highest level, you get everything now. Like you kind of know why things work. Now it goes back to- Intuition. Intuition a lot of the time. How fascinating is that? That's very interesting. So that's it. Apparently, the research suggests that that is uh, when it comes to skill acquisition and learning and, you know, stuff like that. That's the approach. I mean, I've got an experience with this. I mean, I have had a, a coach that joined Soul 2 the last month or so and uh, and he's just, just struggles because he tries to think his way. Right. I feel like, uh, I think this is a big reason why coaches, a lot of coaches yeah. can't get high ELO. And they have these mental blocks. They hugely over-index in thinking about the game and there's zero intuition feel at all. Um, 
So I definitely have experience with that for sure. I mean, that's what I did as well. I tried to think my way out of diamond and I needed to go back to that's just so true. There's so many of these coaches that make excuses as why they're, they're not high elo and it pisses me off. Mm. Figure it out, man. It's like, yeah, you're right. They, they over-index on analytical thinking. Mm. They need to feel and develop the feel and the intuition of the game. And you need that to also understand the game at a different level as well, though. If you don't have the feel, you can't coach it because you don't know how the player's thinking and how they're feeling in that moment. You need a combination of both. Hmm. I think there's certain aspects of the game you can like think about. So it's sort of like mid-game macro and stuff like that. But even then, I think feel Even then, you need feel. Yeah, what would it, it feel like to be in this position? Yeah. I think there's a whole other level. I agree. For teaching anyway. That's another whole subject. That's a whole other thing, yeah. We're not but, so that's what I've experienced that for right. sure, where yeah, yeah. coaches are very difficult for me to coach in terms of getting better at the game because they are way too analytical, which obviously attracts the coaching role. People like are thinking yeah, about 100%. the game and stuff. They're very, it very difficult. their skill set more. Yeah, and they're hugely over-index in that, and it just it, it hugely caps them in terms of climbing the game. So I'm actually going to make a video on this at some point, um, and I'm going to talk about how how one can become more intuitive if they're over-indexed on the analytical side and how one can become more analytical either way. Um, so, yeah, I just found that f- absolutely fascinating. And I think it's something I need to explore more. I've got mm. more research to do on this one because I think it's quite, a, it's quite an in-depth topic. I love exploring. But, you know, love, for those of you out there that feel, you know, that resonates with you or you feel as though that's something that, you know, um, you're currently experiencing, maybe you're overly analytical or overly intuitive, because I've seen the trends in the MLA. I work with, that's the, 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 I ask why I ask all the background questions. The first thing I ask is, how long have you been playing the game? Do you, ever, do you review games? What champ pool do you have? And why, how long have you played these champs for? What I'm actually doing is I'm gathering information to, to, to get information. What type of player is this? Is this a guy who's made Yasuo for three years and hasn't reviewed a single game? Mm. Or is it a guy that has played, you know, Zerath and actually reviews, doesn't play many games? And like, you can actually make out very easily what type of player someone is. And then you can then, that's going to influence their learning objectives yeah. straight away. Yeah. Sometimes I just tell someone, you just got to play more games, you know? And then another guy, you need to play less games. I've actually told people to play less. You need to actually now not play the second block. You need to just play that one, three block. And then instead of playing those two extra games at night, you need to then just review your games. You're going to have less time to play, but you can review your games and then start to make sense of what the fuck is happening. You know, it's, it's, it's very important. Very, very important. Fascinating cool. stuff. So I'll give some updates and hopefully get that video out in the next month. All right. Should we jump into mailbag? Away we go. Jingle, jingle, jingle song. All right. So opening up the big bag of mail today. Our first uh, write-in is from Brian, who is a college athlete. The title of this email is My Racing Journey versus League Climb. Hi, Curtis and Nathan. Thanks so much for putting this podcast together. I found it about four months ago and has had a huge impact on my health, career, and of course, my ranked climb. I'm writing in today to share my experience as a collegiate athlete how it relates to my rank journey so far, and some advice for anyone setting lofty goals to take their climb to the next level or go pro. Getting right into it, my final track season in college was turning out to be a quite a standout season. In my second to last race, I had a 25-second personal record in the 5K with a time of 14.27. 
14 minutes, 27 seconds. This put me in striking distance of qualifying for regionals, which is made up of the top 55K performers. Generally, the last qualifier is around 4 minutes 10, which would require another 15 second improvement. I had three or four weeks to train before my final race where I would need to pull out another miracle. In that race, I went out to place to hit 14 minutes and 10 seconds and ended up losing steam in the last mile and practically jogging it in for a 15 flat. So then it got to 15 minutes. This, of, this of course, was quite a painful experience, which I don't think I fully came to terms with and understood until today upon reflection. The two months leading to my standout race were exceptional for training. I remember being 100% in the zone, focusing on the details and getting the work done. I had a great training partner and a great schedule. Without a doubt, those two months were what gave me such an amazing race. After that race, I lost sight of the details and started dreaming about how I might be able to make it to regionals. My training for the first few weeks was still fine, but ultimately I lost focus, which would have been necessary to go to the next level. Interesting experience. In League of Legends, I've experienced the same thing countless times. After hitting a new peak rank, there always comes a time where I set a new goal or gain too much confidence and lose sight of the details. I'm currently working on getting back to Masters in the new season, and once I hit Diamond 180 LP, I became too focused on the LP and lost track of the details. However, there's always another chance in solo queue. You can make the same mistake again and again and still one day hit your goal like I did. The lack of consequence is both a blessing and a curse. If I had come to terms with this issue earlier or how I realized similar, uh, how similar my experience was in running, I may have hit Master when I was 22 rather than 25. Maybe now I will hit Grandmaster Challenger once I'm 26. Or if I don't really take this to heart and lose track of the details yet again. I might not hit that goal until I'm 30. I hope that I and everyone listening can take this lesson to heart and achieve our goals without wasting any more time, treating every game like it might be our last. I wish I could have learned this before my final track race, but I'm glad I can finally understand what went wrong and learn from it. So so it sounds like he didn't make the, the regionals, did he? Because he no. got he had that really good race yeah. and then he lost track of it. You know, because he got all excited that he was about to go to regionals. Mm. Like, you know, same analogy, mm. you know. So close to promos. Gonna he get got promos. complacent on the process, yeah. Mm. Finally, for anyone aiming to go pro or hit challenger in league, I'm sure you already know, it's going to be an insanely hard journey. I think the existing BBC advice is spot on. Be young, set a time limit, focus completely on the details. However, I think that a time limit in league where you can always play one more ranked game to take one step closer to your goal is very hard to internalize. With most, most sports careers, there is a time limit built in. And I think this makes aiming to go pro or set lofty goals in traditional sports much less damaging. And you can only train so much. That's right. right? Well, like there's yeah. a physical element. You're, you're, just mentally, you're just physically exerted. Yeah. You've done all, you've used everything. Every but in league, it's so messy. It's like the same analogy as well is like, that Zin Zhao analogy with Syndra, there's so much to do, it's like overwhelming and you could just fuck up and get worse with the champ or something like that and lose confidence because you have so many opportunities to play 15 games a day. You can do that, yeah. right? Um, so he says, I'm not sure the answer to this one, but I think it's important that anyone aiming for the highest levels find a way to internalize the idea that every game might be your last. I hope you enjoy my shower thoughts and hopefully they help someone. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. 
Yeah, the, that, that YouTuber that I follow, that fitness guy, that Eric Bugenhagen, he talks a lot about that. He talks about his college uh, experience. He was like a... Because uh, we don't really know how the, the entire... Scholarship, scholarship, and athletics—we don't understand how it really works. It's not like that in Australia, but like it's like elite, like yeah. performance. Like I think it was Eric came from like the wrestling background, and he talks about how he was so close to winning, he just came second. Yeah, and like if he said some, if he were to go back in time, like things would make so much more sense. Like he didn't really get the process and how to like really approach mastery in in those sorts of areas. When you're young, you don't get it you don't get taught these lessons that he's painfully had. And you now upon reflection later on, like it is always about your preparation. It is always about your, your process. And it may not seem like that at the time it may seem like luck or genetics or, you know, many, many other things at play, but it really does come down to your preparation and you can't really, you don't know it until you've done it. You don't need until you've really prepared and given your all one time, you don't know what it's like. But I think he raises a really good point in the sense that, it's very easy to become detached from reality. When you, especially when you're close to something. When you get well. close to something, yeah. And, but just in general, like, I think there's just a lot of noise. I think there's a lot of noise. I mean, that, I think that's maybe the difference between, again, traditional sport and, and, and league, especially when it comes to a solo sport like track events or tennis. Like, mm. it's only you. Mm. Like, it's all on you. There is no one else to shift blame on. Whereas league, there is a lot of other variables at play. There's, there's four other people. There's a lot of convenience. Convenience. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a excuses. lot of scapegoats that yeah. you can use. And I think that that's the hard, one of the hardest things about league is that you don't, there's many reasons why you shouldn't take responsibility or don't have to take responsibility. And, and, and the other thing you said was spot on where you might even play poorly and still win. Whereas if you run poorly, you're not going to get a good time. Like there's, there's an input and there's an that's output. Right, yeah. But in league, there's an input, but the output can get very mm. distorted d- depending on the way the game plays out. And that's why we say win streaks and victories can sometimes be really dangerous in terms of yeah. like building, you know, you think you're hot shit and then... It goes know. both ways. If you gain a lot of confidence from win streaks, you're gonna, it means you're going to lose a lot of confidence from loss streaks. Mm. But I think, yeah, the, the message is really good. It, it really is about the small details. That is what it's, that's what's going to get you to where you need to be. No matter how unsexy it is, right? It's not sexy at all and it's miserable a lot of the time and th- that is the most consistent way to get there. That's the only really way to get there repli- in, in a replicable fashion. And it'd be great if he gave more advice about how he's been able to kind of zoom out a little bit, you know, how he's been able to kind of detach and realize this because it seems like he said, this is shower thoughts. That's so fascinating, right? Because most of your reflection for a lot of people is going to be done. It's going to be in the shower when you're not really preoccupied with anything else. Right. I guess that goes back to what we talked about. The the change in the review process is thinking, have given yourself a chance chance to reflect. Reflection just seems to be a common recurring trend. That's actually one thing that me having my injury has allowed me to do. It's been allowed me to kind of take a step back and really observe how I was some doing certain things wrong and the importance of, of physical health and these other, other areas. But most of the time, we're just on the defense, aren't we, Nathan? Mm. Like in life, you're just on the defense. Mm. You're just reacting to things that are happening around you. It's very easy to get caught up in the flow of things like like how time's just like a river and you're just flowing down the river and yep. you don't really know what the hell's Suddenly going on. you're 35 years old and you're like, fuck, what, what, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So like, I think it's a really important message and hopefully people can learn from this and, and gain a little bit of inspiration. Hopefully um, he might've saved some other people going down that rabbit hole right now. 
Um, is there anything else you wanted to add? I love. I just love that there's a com- always a comparison in a traditional sports league. Solo queue journey. Doing shit that's hard. Process. I love doing details. stuff that's hard. All right, this next email is from Katsuki. We've had him before, we've right? Had him before, right? That's why I say it, that name, because I, I, know, I know Katsuki. All right, the title of this email is, Is League Worth It? Hi, Cursor Nathan. I've recently given up on becoming a pro player. The decision has lowered my drive and care for the game. I don't really see the point of grinding the game if it won't be your full-time job. We know that League has a lot to offer and to learn from and is a great to improve your life, but so does going to the gym, building a business, making art, reading, learning new skills, having a fulfilling social life, playing a sport. And these activities, in my opinion, don't nearly have as many downsides as League does. Why would one choose League over those if League isn't the end goal? That's a great question. He's right. There are many other endeavors. League is just one of them. League is one of them. You can get very similar learnings from many other traditional hard things. Anything that's hard. Pursuing some crazy physique in the gym. Pursuing some level of strength in the gym. Playing tennis. Playing soccer. Football. Anything that's difficult. Any competitive endeavor. You will get very similar. You can have a very similar experience if you take it and, and, and... a very serious approach to it and and and, and um there's like these youtube channels of like people that like make swords and stuff they're blacksmiths like even something like that anything yeah, like that's, anything that's hard yeah as long as it's a challenge anything that's hard you're gonna get the same learning league just happens to be something that we're passionate about and we really and enjoy and yeah, a lot of people enjoy fun. <laughs> and it's fun and it's something <laughs> we enjoy and it's, and it's really hard like it's extremely hard yeah. and it's mentally grows you mentally now Again, we're not advocate. We're not saying everyone needs to play league. It's for the people that are currently interested in league. I guess it's, is it, getting the is most it, from it. Is it worth it for you? That's what the question that's, would be. Yeah, is it worth it for for you? It's like, well, that's on you, really. If you enjoy the game enough, if you don't, if you're miserable playing the game, you don't you don't want to use league as the medium to improve yourself. That's completely fine. There's many other things you can do. But I wouldn't say all of them are the same. The social thing, no. The no, art yeah, thing, no. Way. It has to be competitive and it has to be difficult. I mean, art can be. Art can be, but I think the, I think the level of, I think the competition is important. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't want to... art competition stuff, isn't there? Yeah, but I don't think that's... I mean, art competition, I don't think that's <laughs> the same, really. Okay, it's not okay. like you go to... I'm like, oh, I'm going to draw so well here and beat that guy. I don't think that's the uh, way It's it more expressing yourself. Yeah, it's it? more okay, expression. Okay. I think there's an element of it that you get, but I, okay. I think the competition specific part is, is great. I, there's actually... Um, f- I know for men specifically, this science, this research suggests that competition is incredibly healthy for men um, from like a, a biological perspective. It, it helps induce certain hormones in your body, testosterone, like it increases your testosterone significantly. I watched some Andrew Huberman podcast where he spoke about how competition for men, um, it helps, it increases, te- it's like a natural, in, I don't know what the word is, natural um, way of in- increasing your testosterone. There's many, many benefit, health benefits of competition for men. Um, and I, I I'm assuming it's for women. I don't, in this case, I just, I just knew the, the, the video watch was for men. But um, yeah, for men specifically, I know that's the case. So that's why I think as long as it's something that's competitive and hard and, and forces you to push yourself and learn and grow, it can be anything, man. Yeah. Yeah, competitions is fantastic. Someone that's like trying to take your spot, trying to beat you and you have to like 
figure out yeah, there's figure something, out. something there natural to that yeah i love it you know yeah. i love the competition like of these that's why like those even martial arts and stuff like that it's all the same thing i mean a lot of these that you listed playing sport that's only one competition going to the gym i guess it's a competition with yourself but yeah you would, again, it's not as much like i think it is still really good yeah but i think that there, there would be elements missing there. if you're going to the gym to compete if you're like Doing bodybuilding or something. That the that's powerlifting competition. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be this, that'd be good. Yeah, social life, definitely not. No. That's, that's separate. That's all separate. Learning new skills. I think art and, and that stuff, that's all separate in my opinion. Learning new skills. It's like, well, learning new skills to compete or just learning new skills to like learning language. Like, again, there's value you can get from doing that, but it, the, the, there's levels to it. I think that being something that's extremely hard and competitive is, is the goal, is the ideal, yeah. I think, for yeah. growth mentally. Yeah, I mean, learning a language is definitely fucking hard. Yeah, it's really hard, yeah. but there's again, there's no competition element. So yeah, I mean, you got to you know figure out for you is it worth it for you? I mean, obviously you gave up becoming a pro player. Props to you for figuring that yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, know? respect. That's not an easy decision to come to, man. Um, you know, and if you don't care that much about the game, I mean, you know, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing right now, I'd still be playing league. You Me know? too. It's just a, a, a great. It's the best game in the world in my eyes. Again, we're only doing this because we love the, the game. That's right. Wouldn't be here. If, if you don't love the game, you shouldn't be playing the game. Yeah. All right. Next question here is from Eric. The title of this email is Confusion for New Players. Hey, boys. I wrote in last time about the three block. This take, though, is one I haven't heard before, and it is one of the few things um, that I hate most about the game nowadays. When I started playing in Season 5, the game was all about either having fun in normal games or having a good rank. Since then, I've had many friends that are fairly new to the game and they always focus on the wrong kinds of things. Back when I started, you just wanted to get the highest rank possible and own all champions. Right now, at least in my experience, players focus way too much on mastery level and the account level in general. They go on Poro Festite in the loading screen and see the guy on the enemy team is level 400, but he's silver 3. They completely ignore this rank and say to me, okay, you have to carry, I can't win land against this no-life player anyway. I always explain that this narrative, that if someone has a higher level or a lot of mastery points, there's nothing about their skill, but they just don't care. I think all of this stuff, linked, all of this stuff like mastery points, player level, loot boxes has shifted the focus of newer players and made it harder to break the ceiling of gold for most. I imagine you guys don't really play normals that much, but every game I play with my friend group or any new player really, they always have this skewed view of the game and player skill. They like they just give up mentally if someone is extremely high level, even though to me that indicates that they are a worse player since they stayed in, let's say, silver for 100 plus levels. <laughs> I know a lot of new players and all they care about is mastery level and player level or porofessor stats. Meanwhile, they are bronze the entire season and don't understand why. I just think ride systems outside of the gameplay have made it really appealing to stay in low elo. Love to hear your thoughts on this. It's an interesting question. Yeah, I've never heard about this. We're, we're very detached from that. Yeah, because so we don't really I'd see that. Don't even know what level my accounts are. I get we get asked that all the time. What what master well, master no, idea. no Someone idea. actually looked at my. There's like a, a an app or a website you can search what your mastery levels are on your champs. Mine is so low. Mine will be low, yeah. Your, exactly. ours, both of us, you did yours as well. Ours uh, are really low. Yeah. Like you would look at ours from a mastery perspective, you think that we're garbage according yeah. to the mastery level. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree though. If I saw like a one trillion level mastery point and they're in silver, whatever it is. Um, well, they have no fundamentals, I right? mean, they're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like 
if anything, they're worse. Like I would, if, if there's someone that has less mastery points and they're at that rank, that suggests that maybe they're, you know, they're actually got their shit together and they're, they're on the way up. I wouldn't even think about it though. Like I, I think it's a lot of noise. Um, so I want to approach the question from the last thing you said, like Riot's system outside of the gameplay made it really appealing to stay low elo. I guess they're, I guess it's maybe smart. Like it's catering to a separate audience. It's it's for ca- it's for more casual people yeah. that are more they, focused they, on the they champ can, They can like focus on something. Yeah, like they want they get other it's other metrics of enjoyment success. or yeah, success. That you can it's chase. Like, it's like it's not just the it's not just the rank. It's the it's the levels. It's it's the um because you get cool borders and stuff for having high level oh, account. Really, I think, or like you get rewards. Yeah. maybe. Um, and all that loot stuff and collecting yeah, stuff. Yeah, you, you get like ever, the badges and do stuff. Do you like go in with your orange essence? Do you do that stuff? No, I, I open the chest though for skins. Okay. The boxes. And the then keys. do you like get a skin from it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I swear to God, I've got like thousands of things. I, I mean, I've got I've the never champs, done it. but I don't, I, the, the skin ones I do. Wait, do you buy them with orange essence? How do you get skins? No, so the way it works is like you... You get no, you get like a key, and yeah. so you open the box, yeah, and then and you get like a skin, a skin like token, right? And then and then you can even get you can get the skin with orange essence by unlocking that token, okay. Or you can combine all three of them together, and you mm. just get a skin. Oh, but it's random. It's a random. Oh, one. Okay, I do that. I just like so do a random. You have one. lots of skins on your account. Yeah, I have a lot of random skins. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> I like none of my chaps. None of my. I chaps. should maybe do that, dude. Yeah, do skins it. are pretty cool, but um, but I think. Um, yeah, the right. I mean, I don't. I think right. It's good for them to do that. I agree. Yeah. I think it caters to different audiences, and maybe your friends. I think they're just casual players. Yeah, like, that's, that's right. okay. Yeah. I think. I think as well. It seems like you, maybe this guy. Um, what's his name? Eric, right? Yeah. He has a different approach to the game. Maybe he's coming more from like he wants to get more out of the game. You listen to this podcast, game. right? If so. you're listening to this podcast, yeah, you probably want to get more out of the game than it being a casual, mindless game. Um. And that's okay. You just got to come to terms with that everyone has a different journey and they don't want to get the same thing out of the game. Like, you're right. Back in the day, it was more simple than that. It was either you're playing to get your champs and just play for fun or you're getting a high rank. Yeah, yeah there's, there's different journeys that people can go down now. And I think you just got to evolve with the times and it's not as simple. I mean, back in the day, I mean, everything seems appealing in the past, doesn't it? That's true. Like, no matter what it is, yeah. nostalgia just makes everything seem, seem better. better yeah. Like that game I played when I was 10 years Back old, it was so day. good. And like, everything always seems better in retrospect, but it's just not. It, you look at it and then you go back and if you wish that, if, if that was the reality now, it would be worse. So I think, um, just accept that you, you have friends that have a different journey. They don't want the same thing out of the game than you. And, and the whole thing about like, do you think Riot, so he's saying here that he, he, they encourage people to be low. Either. I don't think though. I don't think so I don't so think either. that's at all. I think that's no. a weird little... I think those people would still... Yeah. Those people that are scared to verse on with high mastery level, they're not competitors. Yeah. They're not going to ever compete. They're just low level players. Like they're, yeah. they're like the... They're like the... Um, they're just like, yeah, just low level players. That- they're like, they're like uh, uh, I know there's a whole community. They're like, yeah, they look to get mastery on every champion, the highest thing. Right. They're sort of like the MMO type grind players. Yeah, yeah. You know? They're like the, the PvE. PvE, yeah. They're like the PvE players of a MMO. Yeah. And then there's the P- series PvP or the high end Raiders. Like, yeah, the high end PvE. Yeah. yeah. There's like the high end players and there's just the casual, like just do a little bit of grinding here and there, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. They just have a different approach to the game. Yeah. I mean, right when it sells skins, right? They want people playing for different reasons. Yeah, exactly. Reasons, so. Spot on. Yeah.
I think it makes sense from Ryan's perspective. But it's you know it's good to think about. It. It's good to be aware of why, what what sort of behavior you're seeing and make sense of it. But I kind of I, I do think that is uh, even detrimental though. That whole thing going back to one last thing. If your friend is playing for fun and they're scared of versing someone, that doesn't seem very fun to me. Like, they should delete Porofessor. If you're not playing to climb, delete... Why, why, what's the purpose of Porofessor? Like, yeah, what are you... Like, what are you trying for? to look at? Like, yeah. just play. Just play. I think yeah. you should be... I mean, I, I can't stand Porofessor, dude. Yeah. Whenever I, I see people... If, someone, if I do a VOD review and someone yeah. has that... Oh, I mean, so what do they have? What, what is it? It has a CS it, number. It, it, stuff, no, it right? comes up with all the stats, like their rank, oh, has, really? like all this bullshit. Like, Wait, so you like look at someone else? Yeah, these people. Like, I've had them on the MLA. I roast them. I said, delete this straight away. Really? Yeah, all the time. Interesting. Not all the time. I would say one in every ten clients. Yeah, but they just it disappears. They don't use it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talk about stats. We we don't use stats to improve ourselves or our clients we just don't know how they're used right now well you can use it but again it's before the game stats they're not useful there no. are ways you can use stats after to see okay. trends and yep. things like that but yep. be- before that game there's nothing you're going to need to know no. apart from runes that's it you see it yeah all right next question here is from don Tyler's email is uh how to reinvent my journey uh, hello boys, I am Picasso. I'm a huge fan of your philosophy concerning league and life, at least what I've observed from the podcast. I have a question for you. I understand that you do not coach players below gold. I, un- I even understand why. Players below gold are missing so many fundamentals to the point that coaching wouldn't make a significant impact on that person's approach to the game. Um, I'm a Silver 4 player. I started playing in 2020 and have played well over 3,000 games since. My first season, I was quite satisfied with just not being stuck in bronze. However, in season 11, I proposed myself to reach gold. I was unfortunately held back by my bad habits and overall lack of game understanding. I will constantly roll swap slash change my pool. This season, I plan on reinventing my journey. I found your podcast and it helped me have a much healthier relationship with the game. I've been following your process of three blocks of odd review and dealing with my mental instead of blaming other people. It's helped me a lot. I'm asking what would be a good list of fundamentals to work on in my review process and in my games. For context, I'm a jungle main. I queue as mid-secondary. Uh, my champ will consist of Diana, Kindred, and Nocturne. I have Mastery 7, all three of these champs. And although I understand this is irrelevant, since you don't know me personally or my specific issues, I want to clarify that I have a high win rate on my account, 70%, and high win rates on my three champs. I don't care much about instantly climbing to gold, but I do want to notice myself playing at a higher level. I would also love to reach a point where I could join Nathan's Nathan's Jungle Academy. Appreciate any input. Also, this is a bit of a jungle question here. Um, Diana, Kindred, and Nocturne. Uh, so with Diana and Nocturne, I'll be looking at making sure you're efficiently farming. I I always say this like when I, even when I get my gold clients jungling fundamentals everything starts with what's a good gank and what's a bad gank if you know what is a bad gank you know to like hit your camps or just like reset or something and it sort of gives you an amazing structure to your gameplay everything will flow on from that I always recommend that to like lower elo players so um, yeah learning first what's a good gank and what's a bad gank 
And that's, I mean, if you want to get more specific, that's looking at, like, the resources and learning the champ matchups. Like, do I have a Yumi against, like, a Thresh Draven? Like, even if they're pushed up, they can 2v3 you. Um, and that will take from experience. So, really look into that. Those are fundamentals. And jungle tracking, that's really important as well. And just do it for the early game. Those are the only two things I would focus on, really. And then other than that, then it's just champ mastery. Champ mastery, really important. And those two fundamentals. So, that's what I'll be looking for. It's pretty simple. Anything to add, Curtis? Um, I think you covered it. I mean, I would say really holistically, just like just just look at your deaths and look at the deaths. Obviously, what we just look about. at your deaths. Yeah, and then and no, try right. and and just try and observe again. Be very open, open minded. Just be very observant. Look at your deaths. It's, by the sounds of things, it seems like he's on the way up, though. It seems like he's going to be goal four relatively soon, from what I can get from that it seems yep. like he's on the sounds right like, track yeah, oh, you know good win rate all that sort of stuff but yeah it's, it's really hard for us to get too detailed without seeing what's going on though yeah yeah that's right you would have to get specific so that's some general advice for you which I think will help alright we'll do one more question here if I can find it where did it go um Right, we're struggling here. We are struggling. Oh, here we go. All right, this is from um, Leo, who is a former Soltu member. Title of this email is I am concerned. Hello, Nathan Rippy Mott and Coach Sword Curtis. What does that mean? Maybe you meant to say sharp. Maybe you meant. Yeah, it's sharp, not sword, <laughs> Mr. Leo. <laughs> Got to go back on the esports wiki and look that one up. <laughs> My name is Leo. I'm currently around 500 LP Grandmasters on EU West. And I was in Nathan Soltu many times. Let's just say we've had some issues with Leo. Okay. Okay. All right. So we'll get into that. That's probably maybe an answer to this question. Okay. I also listened to every BBC episode, Poggers. Recently, I was unfairly 14 day banned on my main for Intim when I wasn't. After this, I decided it was time to get better at mid lane. I made a smurf and kept my champ pool to two, Silas and Cassidan. And in 10 days, I played around 70 games and got stuck at silver two with a 48% win rate. This concerned me a lot because I expected to be at least diamond on mid lane, but I'm struggling in silver as a 500 LP jungler on EU West. I asked my friend uh, on why this is. So, and he said it's because I abuse farming junglers have no mid lane mechanics. Is this truly so? Should I be concerned? How do I get better at mid lane? I watch Coach Curtis Silas guide and stuff, but I'm still stuck at silver and it's hurting my ego a lot. I want to get your first initial perspective, Curtis, because I know this guy, so I have, okay. I, I have a good idea of why this is going to Well, this is hard. it's really hard for me to say okay, without knowing yourself. his... Yeah. Well, what questions would you be asking? Ask me some questions. I'll answer them for okay. you. Okay. Um... Well, look, the first thing whenever I hear this sort of thing is like, does he actually want to do it? Because he's coming from jungle. Like, it seems like he's just wasting time. Well, he said he did this because he was banned for 14 days. So, like, that's not a good reason. Like, climbing and learning a new role is not easy. Like, it requires a lot of time and a lot of effort. The first thing I would say is like, do you actually care? Like, he's probably just sending it, you know, playing and just playing and not really caring about death. Like, he's like... I'm assuming anyway. So I think the first question I would say is like, do you actually, are you going to commit to this? Because otherwise just, just 
take a 14 day off from the game honestly like or play on a second jungle account like i just feel like learning a whole new role is kind of a waste of time um so that's the first thing i'd maybe ask him about the second thing i would say well you shouldn't have any expectations about where you're at you just got to observe you got to be completely open-minded and curious whether you're a gold mid laner platinum diamond master who knows you just got to play and focus on champ mastery and get those games in um and then the third thing I'd say is, again, like you, you probably have a very particular skill set. I mean, what was his champ pool when he climbed? He plays Diana, um, and uh, what else does he play? And Hecarim. Okay, yeah, like he's probably fine. He's probably got a decent game understanding. So just slow and it Eve, down. And Eve as well. Like just, just. I mean, look. I think it's highly unlikely he's struggling in silver. I yeah. think that's the first thing. If he was trying. If he was trying. Yeah. I think it's highly think unlikely. Trying. No, I think he's just playing for fun. Yeah. That's the vibe I get. He's playing for fun. He's yeah. playing a bunch of games. Um, he's kind of disrespecting the game completely. And I, I guarantee you he's not playing off spikes. He's not valuing his farm. He's not thinking about optimal wave states. He's just literally... I'm Silas. I'm going to press Q on the wave and on the enemy, and then I'm going to go in at level three and he's I'm going easy, to die. He takes his ease every time. He sees every time. He's not thinking. He's like he's he's not respecting the game. That's it. Simple. Like it's and he's probably also not reviewing his key deaths. Like if you actually look at it, so he has a struggle. He he struggles to review even his his. He right. doesn't really get the review thing right. still. Yeah, okay. even on his main account. Got you. We've had some issues there. So he's definitely not reviewing those games. Well, the thing as well, what's going to be very difficult for him is that jungle is a role where you have complete and utter control over the game. First, you know, five, six minutes. Like Mm. it's all on you. Like junglers dictate the game. As mid, especially when you're playing the champs that you're playing, you do nothing. You're playing Silas as weak ass early game champion. Spikes hardcore off like need level seven. You need like, you know, three points in Q or three points W. You need your lost chapter. Um, you need items and you need levels. Cassidy, same thing. You need items and you need levels. And it's all about slowing it down, really valuing your farm, playing off your power spikes, playing off your levels, like the Cassidy level 11 or level 9 and Silas level 9, level 7, um, lost chapters and tier 2 boots and your level 6 on Cassidy. Things like that. He's, he's probably not tying it back to champ mastery. He's not approaching it seriously. I think that's as simple as that. What if you actually ask him as well? What got him the success that he got on his main account with his main champs? Champ mastery. He probably had a lot of champ mastery on Hecarim and Dino right. and Evelyn, and, Eve, yeah. and and then that's what got him the results. That's right. It's not it's not mechanics max that got him the results. Or game understanding. Or, I mean, he has to have some game understanding. Yeah. You have to have a lot of game understanding. Five hundred LP in a year is EU, right? Yeah, yeah. You got to have. I just checked. He's like seven hundred now. Right. You got to have amazing. You got to have really solid game understanding to get seven hundred, dude. Yeah. EU 700 repeat that's hard hmm. that's hard as fuck hmm. um, so that's what I would say does that make sense yep yeah I would say I mean Leo's very young and I would say how old is he I think he's like 16 17 right, right. Uh, and he when I read that email I definitely I mean, he says that it is hurting his ego um, because you know you know and his friends telling him you have no you have no understanding of the game because you just abuse these right. champions yeah. right um, so I think I like what you said there. I mean, you know, this, this is going to be a hard thing for Leon. I've said like, you know, and this will come with his older. Yeah, he gets, he's so young, man. Like, you know, you're always going to get a big ego when you're young and you get that, you know? Can I interject here one thing about yeah. ego? Yeah. Everything is ego. 
Yeah. So, so okay, here we go. I watched a video about that Eric guy, mm. and and someone was critiquing him um, about like some heavy lift this guy did. He said, "Oh yeah, these ego lifts aren't they really dangerous? Like you're just ego lifting." And what he said, I think I was so fascinating. He said, "Anything that's hard, like the ego is involved. Mm. Everything is an ego. Yeah, like every lift, if you're trying really hard, everything's an ego lift. Like." If you don't really think highly of yourself, you believe in yourself and believe in yourself, you don't have an ego, you're not going to be able to do anything that's really hard. And he says, the only people that would say that are the people that haven't ever done anything that's really hard. And it made me think like to, to climb really high in, in, in league, you know, we, we critique and it's, you know, this is going to be contradicting some of the things we've said in the past. Yeah. You do have to have an ego. We talk about drop your ego. In a way, it's more like manage your ego. Yeah. You can't drop your ego. You, you have realistic expectations. You've got to always have an ego. Yeah. Like, so your ego has to be large and you have to really have kind of sometimes borderline. Um, you, sometimes you have to be borderline delusional about what you can achieve in order to achieve it. You got to really believe that you're a challenger player to play at a challenger level. You have to believe that you can be a challenger player to get challenger. You got to have an ego. You got to have a chip on your shoulder. Every game you play is your ego is involved. So my mindset's actually shifted a bit with ego in the sense that I think it has a place in high performance. And there's a fine line between ego and like you know, you can't use ego for everything because then you're going to be delusional and injure yourself in lifting or you know, you're not going to get into the review or, you know, things like that. But it's good in a way to have an ego. Does that make sense? Yeah. It has a place. It's got to be tied with belief, right? Yeah, it's tied with belief and confidence. It, it, it's in there somewhere. It's, it's a, somewhere whirl, it's there, a yeah. whirlwind of... And you don't want to like over-index on... Because well, yeah. confidence and that comes from preparation, right? Right, yeah. But like, there's not really a, like ego. Yeah, but you're, you can have a large, a large ego because you've put in the work. Yeah, and right? that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you look at people like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Right, sure, they have an know? ego. Yeah. <laughs> they should have an but, ego. Yeah, they fucking work hard. They work hard and they put in the work and they like have that champ mastery and not, you know have the mastery. I mean, for you, Leo, you haven't worked hard on mid lane and sales and casting. So what's yeah, your expectation? It's so simple. It's simple. Yeah, it's so simple. You put in the work, you get the results. If you don't put in the work, you won't get the results. So I wouldn't. You say you would be concerned. No, it would make no, sense. No, it makes sense. Everything makes sense. Yeah. Have you played a lot of those champs and really done your research and understand how they work? Probably not. And are you playing mid lane just because you're on a fourteen man band, or you actually want to learn the role? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he should be spending time grinding Lee Sin or Rexi in gold and silver. Mm. That's what he should because he, he's probably going to struggle with Lee Sin in gold from the sounds of things, the way he's made it, make, you're making it out to be. Right? Yeah. Why doesn't he just play junglers and yeah. get beaten by gold junglers with Lee Sin in Italy and Rexai? Mm. Right? Mm. If he, that's if he really wants to get value out of his journey, I think there's value in learning another role. Yeah, but yeah, I, I agree. But do it seriously then. Yeah, do it seriously. Right? Yeah. So either you're going to commit to mid or yeah. commit to a second role and do yeah. it properly, or you're going to just might as well just play jungle then and you know play your main role. It's one or the other. All right, well, that's it for this episode, everyone. Good work. Let's keep on improving. Um, book Club, we're reading Principles by Ray Dalio this month, if you want to join. Yep. We're just starting that. We finished um, the, what's the? Miyamoto Masashi. Miyamoto Masashi, The Five Rings. The discussion on that is tomorrow. Um, anything else, Curtis, to wrap up? That's it. All right. Good work, everyone. We'll see you on the Rift.